and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. I would like to welcome back one of my favorite guests. She has been on the Path 11 podcast twice already, episode 147 and episode 196. I would like to welcome back Austin Wells. She is one of the workshop presenters at the Afterlife Awareness Conference that is being held in Chicago June 4th through the 7th. And uh, we're recording this on March 20th. And as of right now, even though we have the pandemic going on, the conference is still schedule to go on. So just wanted to give you guys a little bit of a time frame as to when we recorded this because some things may or may not be relevant when the show airs. But um, Austin, you know, it's just been such a pleasure to meet her and talk with her. Uh, the couple of the other podcasts really highlights um, a lot of the work that she's done, the book that she's written, and she is teaming up with Linda Fitch this year at the Afterlife Awareness Conference. They are both the resident shaman practitioners, and they're going to be offering a really new exciting program. It's a full day Thursday workshop on the shaman's tools and a Saturday workshop on sacred dying. So really excited to hear what Austin has up her sleeve for this conference and I would like to welcome her back. Hi Austin. Hey April, how are you today? Very good. You are a busy girl at this conference this year. I see on the schedule on Thursday, um, you have a three-hour workshop, Mastering Mediumship. Friday, you have uh, a breakout session, The Gift of Change, Soul Center Transformation Tool. And then on Saturday, another three-hour workshop, Sacred Dying. So busy, busy. Yes, I try to keep busy. (laughs) (laughs) The conference, it's primarily because the conference means so much to me. And it's a uh, it's a great opportunity to work with people who would probably not normally find themselves being exposed to certain disciplines. So uh, I appreciate the fact that Terry every year kind of mixes it up quite a bit and she knows my work quite profoundly so I appreciate the fact she gives me new opportunities every year yeah so you know going back to last year's we were in Salt Lake Utah um, you know and as you know my role there is uh, helping to film the live stream part of the event for people who can't be there in person so I'm not necessarily attending all of the workshops I'm usually filming one while two others are going on but my favorite part I have to to say is the last day when we do the closing ceremony and you and Linda and uh, Terry orchestrate that and bring in shamanic tools and rituals and so amazing how the first year that we were there in Florida was so much different than the one in Utah and I'm sure this year is going to be so much different but I remember thinking like well how is this going to work because we can't be outside and you know we're in this conference room in a hotel and it was so powerful for me. I could barely film. I remember I was overcome with so much emotion. And I think I was one of the last uh, people to like do an offering because you guys did a fire ritual, even though it wasn't a real fire. And, um, and I just had so much of an energetic release. I mean, sobbing, I couldn't even believe that it was happening. I was like, what the hell is going on? And then later um, that year in 2019, my mom had passed away pretty tragically. And I remember um, just more recently reaching out to you and Linda and Terry and just thanking you guys so much for um, probably not even realizing how much of an impact you've had on my life just by being able to witness some of the ceremonies that you guys have done at this Afterlife Awareness Conference. Um, You know, speaking to you, having two interviews with you, reading your book. I mean, I use so many of the resources that I learned as a filmmaker just attending this conference. I can't even imagine the people individually that go there to participate in the full conference and getting immersed in all of the workshops, how much healing that is able to bring people because everything that I learned from the two conferences 
on top of all of the people that I have interviewed for the podcast, on top of my clinical experience, um, you know, in the mental health field, I had to really utilize all of those tools in the past couple of months, and it has been life-saving for me. Well, first of all, um, your accolades and gratitude is so uh, welcome, and I thank you for saying all those things. Um, I, it is an honor to be of service to you since you're of service to so many. And having been part of the conference for so long, your participation is so much more than a videographer. You're, there's there's something about the way that you bring people together that I, I think will become even more apparent to you as time goes on. But when you're speaking of, um, so thank you for all that, that those mentions, um, there is tremendous power in community and in ceremony. And it is something that speaks so much to the indigenous aspect of all of our brains that I'm, I get a little concerned about this idea of social distancing that we need to remember that although we're being asked right now to create physical space, that that's an illusion because we are connected energetically always. And the beauty of ceremony is that it allows everyone to shift from the human being, which is so aware of what is physical, to the spiritual aspect of us where we are connected and we can really feel the energy of of a single intention and how magical that moment is and we don't we can we oftentimes open we have opening ceremonies i mean you think of the olympics we have opening and closing ceremonies and it's it's such an a um, an emotional experience but i think to me closing ceremonies are almost more powerful because we we don't know how to say goodbye and i think with what we're experiencing in our culture right now with you know the this just moment um, is a tremendous fear of death and a tremendous fear of loss. And we need to find ways of talking about it and sharing those kind of deep feelings. And by doing so, I think there's the potential for just extraordinary healing. Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, in a couple of conversations that I've had um, with people, friends, family, some clients too, one of the things that I realize with the pandemic, I think what it really gets broken down to at the very end, if you strip away all of the fears and the worries, it's what you had just said. It is a fear of death. you know, and not even people being afraid of the virus, but I'm hearing more of like, do I have enough supplies? Will I run out of food? Will we eventually be 100% contained? And, but when you strip that away and strip that away and strip that away and strip away the fears of what happens if my kid is homeschooled and they, you know, are jumping outside and they break a leg and we have to go, you know, to the doctor, you know, but it's, it still comes down to, I feel like you can continue to strip away the person's individual relationship with death and how that can tie back to the way in which they're holding the space for this to happen. In hospice training, they do a very interesting exercise, um, and that is you will be, you're to write down five key things that are imperative to your life. Maybe it's family, your health, your um, mobility, you know, whatever those five key things are. And then as the hospice training goes on, you're asked to give away aspects of those five things to help you try to understand and wrap your head around what the patient is going through in, in their idea of the loss of what they identify as themselves. And in our culture, we do have a profound, um, learning opportunity with this idea of what's enough, Uh, It speaks to our desire to constantly surround ourselves with materialism and and always have more. And all of us on some level or another have issues in that regard. But speaking to that point, you know, you can surround yourself with so much. And we have this idea that what is powerful is our image or powerful, our brand or powerful, that we have a big house or all those things. None of those things 
can help us when it comes to just the vulnerability um, that you have certainly experienced profoundly in the last year, which is the power of loss, the power of change, the power of death, the transformational opportunities that come with it, but just the feeling of not being able to connect to somebody um, that has died. And so absolutely, I think the, the benefit always of chaos is that it drives the individual home to themselves. And mental health is the number one issue we have in our country. And we have to be better at learning how to navigate our own souls and 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 create and knowing this collective exists um, to understand that the our mental health challenges come from a lack of community they come from a lack of remembering the whole instead of identifying and expanding the individual yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, you know, potential risk factors for, you know, mental health issues is if a person is feeling extremely isolated and doesn't have that community connection, that family connection, that friend connection. I mean, that is so vital in mental health. So yeah. is there anything that you could suggest um, or things that you're thinking about? Because you're out in California, right? You're out west. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what what would you say are some helpful tools that even though if we are not able to physically touch in this moment right now, what is a way to still feel very connected to community? Since our soul is comprised of two aspects, our human being and our spiritual being, and the human being will constantly think of itself only and it doesn't have the ability to witness. So it really gets very myopic in the way that it views itself when it's not in its expanded version. And then our spiritual self is aware of the fact that everybody connects to each other and that we're here for a greater purpose and everything that hap is happening is happening for us, whereas the human being will see us as everything that's happening is happening to us. So our human being can go into victim. Our human being can go into, um, believe, can lean into the chaos, whereas our spiritual self will understand that the chaos is simply something that's around us, but our participation is one that we choose the level of engagement. So in these time periods of chaos, which is true, it's an external presentation that is almost like a weather front that's outside of us. Well, if there's inclement weather, what do you do? You go inside, you go into your home. What are they asking us to do right now? They just gave us a mandate last night in California that we are now to be inside. So the chaos is outside, now we're inside. The metaphor is exactly the same for the soul. So while we are in this place of within ourselves and being conscious of ourselves, we are really going to become aware of the human being and the spiritual being. So we need to feed the spiritual side because the human being is the one that needs the nurturing. Mm -hmm. Our fears, our worries, our concerns. The human being is the part that's fearful of death because our spiritual being, our infinite self, is conscious of the fact that we're eternal. So we always have a dualistic dialogue within us at all times. So in these moments of profound apparent chaos, because it's what we're being told, it's what we're, because if you look outside right now, there is not chaos in the world. I'm looking outside at a gorgeous day. There's nothing that visually tells me that the chaos I'm being told exists matches what I'm witnessing. So we have to keep this idea of allowing what we're being told to just be take up a certain space. And then the rest of our reality is what we accept and what we control. So to answer your question, what can we do? We feed our souls right now. So our soul is constantly wanting to one, be of service. So that's a connection to the world, to other people. So I'm putting together right now a homeschool uh, program for next week because I figure as long as people are home, we might as well learn something fun. So I'm putting together a homeschool 
<laughs> so people can go online and we're all going to homeschool. We'll learn intuitive skills. I'm going to make some classes for kids. I mean, it's just going to be like, why not? So education, um, feeding your passions, finding things that you can do, um, downloading a cookbook and and trying a different skill that's way if you if you enjoy cooking what's a, what's a nationality you've never tried before and can you cleverly from what you have create that cuisine or look at what you have and try to come up with something different um, painting scrapbooking all those things are individual things if you're blessed to be with a family absolutely talk about memories talk about things you remember figure out things that you haven't learned about each other um, talk then taking it if you're individually by yourself where is your community sit down and honor the people that connect to you you can write them letters you can call them on the phone do old school call on the phone I have a virtual girlfriend party on Saturday night that I'm kind of excited about because <laughs> we all realized we hadn't gotten together in a really long time and so we're just doing it online so all of us are being are, are creative we are clever people so the idea that you're isolated is an absolute myth that's not true there is someone that you can connect to even if it's someone you owe an apology to what a great time to make amends so write down 10 to 15 people that are key to you and just call them up and tell them you love them can you imagine someone calling and just saying that wouldn't you want to stay on them with the phone on a, on the phone for a while absolutely so are we need to constantly be asking ourselves what's real I mean what's really real is this pandemic real it seems to be because we're being given numbers and we're being told all these things are we personally affected there may be a couple of people like in California the numbers are present there's 19 people that have been affected by the virus and died there are 8 million people in or 8 billion people I can't remember the numbers, forgive me. So those numbers are really interesting to me. And I know that there's this idea that this is going to get really bad. But right now, the numbers are really low, you know? Right. So if that's the case, then keep it in metric. Keep it in balance. And then the other thing I'd really say is put yourself, have your spiritual self parent your human being and monitor what you watch that gives you anxiety. What a great time to just binge watch um, a funny show or watch or The Office. Watch, watch, you know, things or friends. God, do a, do a marathon. Get a whole bunch of girlfriends together, people, and everybody watch the same episodes at the same time and have a discussion about it. Um, just monitor the anxiety-driven things that you give yourself. Yes. That's a couple of ideas off the top of my head. Thank you. I love it. And laughter is the best medicine. I can't think of the man um, who it's, it's a story. I've, I've heard it so many times about where he was given a diagnosis and he basically locked himself in uh, the hotel room for like a week or two and just like watched comedy and laughed and laughed yeah. and laughed and it healed his entire body. <laughs> like whatever, whatever the diagnosis was completely went away, you know, it's, we we have that creative freedom you know april we do we have look at look at what you did you were faced with adversity so we can't control what happens to us but we can absolutely control how we respond to it that is our creativity that is our dynamic power as a soul so you could have very much been victimized by everything that happened and sat around and felt sorry for yourself and you are allowed those moments in grief that's part of the grieving process but there's also the the aspect of your soul. Look at how far you've come. You've chosen to open up yourself personally to talk to people. It's probably given you much greater ideas about mental health and, and, you know, how to, how to connect to other people. And you've needed to connect to people differently. So the adversities are such gifts because now is the time our meditation, now is the time our spiritual practices, now is the time all the things that we've been cultivating in times when it's easy are being asked to be really folded into the mix. And if we can allow ourselves to collectively 
rise to the next level of our evolution, which we technolo- on a technological level, we're always evolving. But we don't oftentimes get an opportunity to just collectively evolve. So that's what this moment is. And to me, that's exciting. It's, it's exciting that we're all being asked to say, what is valuable in your life? Seriously, what, is the, what are the fundamentals? And being brought back to that level of simplicity, I think it, for maybe 10 minutes after this whole thing trans, you know, finishes or comes to some pause, um, I hope that for 10 minutes, people live a little differently. Hmm. Yeah, there's so much teaching that is going on in all of this. I think so much self-reflecting. A lot of my clients that I'm talking to as well, everyone is talking about it's slowing me down. I have no choice but to slow down. Um, some people that I've talked to have actually have been feeling very grateful for it in some ways that mm-hmm. the hurriedness and how fast and the momentum was taking them in life, um, how that was affecting them and their health. And now they're just kind of being forced, quote unquote, in some way, um, to really just relax, to sleep, um, to go at a slower place. There's like no agenda, even people that want to have an agenda in some ways, it's like, there's no more like big things to do list to check off. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is a bit of this, uh, slowing down and I, I would love to hear your take a little bit more too, just on the shamanic way of maybe viewing something like this that is happening, because I know that you're very connected to, to earth and nature and just part of the shamanic ceremony of, you know, calling in the different elements, honoring, um, you know, the North, East, South and West and all the things that kind of happen in a ceremonial space. And so on some of the positive notes, what we're seeing here is that, you know, mother earth is healing, Um, you know, the air pollution is decreasing. Um, there's just so, there's a lot of really beautiful things that are happening. And I'm wondering, do you have a take on what mother earth is trying to talk to us about through this pandemic? Well, I, I love all the things that you just said. And I also recognize the fact that this weekend is the beginning of spring. Yes. The spring equinox, right? Last night, I think it was on March 19th. Yeah. I have a question about that too. (laughs) So you might answer it as you go into this. So as we step into this idea of spring, it, we are, and, and I am not an astrologer. However, I just had a rather illuminating um, reading with an astrologer that I adore. Um, she's from Australia. Her name's Maggie Kerr, and uh, she's worked with John Edward for quite some time. Um, and she has a, a lovely kind of psychological um, uh, take on things as well as just standardized astrology. But astrologers have been talking about 2020 for a really long time as being what they're deeming as kind of like a global reset. Now, I'm not so sure reset is the word I would use. I think what I kind of like is we're doing a software upgrade. Hmm. So if you can see this, this transition, okay, so, so on a shamanic level, on a spiritual level, there's always this agreement that what is outside of us is a reflection of ourselves and what is inside of us is equally reflected outside. So there's this, there's a symbiosis between what is outside and what is within us. So we are, we are creating, if fear is absolutely um, an experience of the human being. And it is something that has been with us all through time. Fear is I would say undoubtedly the main reason we have illness because fear distances us from people, from experiences, from ourself, from joy, from love, uh, from anything that is curative and expansive and potentially um, uh, evolutionary because we view fear as something that is stronger than us. 
And because we don't investigate fear with the same joy and curiosity we do love, we immediately, when we feel fear, we assume it's negative. And what I have come to discover is I honestly feel that fear is an energy that's stronger than us because it's, it's, it's the quanta of energy that's waiting to return to us as intelligence, as evolution, as progress. So this experience of illness is really just bringing up to everyone, what are your core values? What are you truly afraid of? And what within the, the landscape of what you're afraid of is something that really needs your attention right now. Because we're going to stop everything until you start looking at it. Mm. So there's a pause button on now. Mm-hmm. A extraordinary one. I can't, there's never been in any of our experiences a moment like this. Right. <laughs> so so yeah. we're home now. And um, uh, there are also a lot of people who don't want to be home right now. Right. Very there true. are plenty of people who may have relationships that they're unhappy with, but they're home now. Like that's where they're going to be. So what we are not facing, I think we're really just being given a cosmic timeout to say, okay, so what do you really want to do with this life? If this is it, if this is absolutely it, what are you doing? And much like it, much like happens when you take a vacation and you get away from everything and you think, God, you know, I just am not interested in my job anymore. I want to do something totally different or I love my relationship. I really want to take it to the next level. You know, you get these ideas because there's distance. So clearly something that we've been doing and something that we've been trying to create um, is not creating a wellness. So now there's an external illness or an external vulnerability that is simply asking us to stop and be still and just be reflective. Yeah. And I think if we could all just allow this to be, and yes, I mean, take up it's to me, I look at it like this. I mean, I know that they're financial constraints for most people. But it's going to work out somehow. It always does. It always does. Mm -hmm. And if you can just take this as a really needed vacation for everybody, you can spend it worrying and being in flight, fight or flight, which is going, which is your amygdala and your brain going crazy. And that's going to make you even more vulnerable to what they're saying you potentially could, could be vulnerable to. So, Fight or flight, fear, worry, guilt, all of those things create an acidic condition within the body, as does eating acid, you know, eating um, lots of sugar and drinking and all the things that we go to when we don't want to be in a moment. Mm -hmm. So if we can take this as, a, as an opportunity to be fully present, be nurturing and loving toward yourself. I think the spiritual awareness and epiphanies that are going to come out of this are really going to be transformative. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, speaking of this, uh, spring equinox, uh, there's another shaman that I've worked with. She's from Tuva, Russia, and, uh, we've had her on the show before. Um, her shaman name is Chokbar. Uh, she works more within the power animals. Like, um, some of her ceremonies are very similar to, uh, what I've seen you and Linda do. And then there's some elements of it that are a little bit different. And she, uh, was explaining the other day before the equinox about how the spring equinox brings in the element of water. And from what I've learned about water, it helps us to cleanse and reconcile. And she was explaining that the virus is creating a different sound on the earth and that all of the shamans that she's connected to were going to be getting together to drum, to rattle, to ring their bells, uh, to be and sit in meditation in order to change the sound back to where Mother Earth needs to be. And she said part of what to envision if we were to sit last night, I think it was like around 11.43 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to sit and imagine yourself with all of these shamans. And if you had a drum or a rattle or something that could make noise, uh, to begin to play that and imagine everyone sitting around Mother Earth 
and protecting her and loving her and calling in a different sound. Have you heard anything like that? Or is that maybe just something a little bit different from other uh, practices of different shamans in the way that they may look at something like this? I love the idea of it. I think it's spectacular because it's it's bringing together a community. It's doing a ritual and it's honoring. Um, I find that I'm always seeking relationship, even with something that seems fearful, because that's part of me as well. So um, it seems like an like a a different way of framing things. But if, as long as we see this, this epidemic is outside of us, we don't have a relationship with it. And I would almost be fascinated to do a group meditation, (laughs) put everybody in ceremony and imagine what is this, the energy of this virus in the center and have all of us connect to it, to learn from it as a source, Mm. because it would be as um, a power Um, almost like a medicine, right? That's teaching us such profound things that um, the connection to it would allow us a flow of love and um, healing because it's teaching us something. Right. Yeah. Now you have my my meditation brain going and I'm thinking, yeah. And what if we sat in community and we just poured love to it, right? Because we're so fearful of it. But what if we, you know, connected with it energetically and loved it for all of its teachings, loved it for the wisdom, loved it for slowing things down. Um, You know, if you pour love into something, could that even change the energetic chemistry? I know some some people may think, oh my God, what the hell? This is science. You're, You're crazy, April. What are you thinking? But I mean, viruses mutate, right? I mean, yeah. 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 Hmm. And it's so what it is, is it's and it speaks to everything. It speaks to creating relationship with everything. And I think the greater shamanic principles that have really inspired me. um, I'll, I'll give an example. I was taking a shamanic class and I was I don't. Uh, I had not experienced the fear, the energy of my own fury. It wasn't something that was a safe thing to um, express when I was a child. And so I, I would always internally kind of just scream, but the sound never came out. So I was in a class and I got very upset about something, which was rare for me. But, you know, in shaman classes, everything comes up that's perfect. So um, weird things happen just because you're, it's an opportunity for your soul to transform things. And I was told to take it out to the earth. And I was only feeling ugly things. So I tried. I started, I started to create a, a mandala on the ground. And I was looking for ugly things in nature to express this ugliness I felt in side. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't find anything that was externally ugly in nature. Mm. I couldn't, I couldn't make it match what I had inside. And it was the first time I fell in love with Mother Earth because I realized there's nothing externally in nature that's unattractive. There's nothing, nothing you can't the the ugly the the incendiary the the frustrated the disassociated the dysfunctional whatever's ideas we have of ourselves there is nothing in nature that matches it it's only how we think it is mm-hmm. so we always have to be Looking at this model of nature, which is which is the truest gift of a shaman is, is that they see everything as connected. Mm-hmm. And there's a constant appreciation for the energy and the 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 spirit in physical form that is the trees and and everything that's around us. And one thing that would be brilliant for people to do if they can at this moment, even though they're told to stay inside, is go for a walk. Go for a walk, be out in nature, sit outside on grass, lean out and be in the sun or, you know, whatever the weather condition is, be part of it somehow. Um, Because we're, we're not being asked to 
to stay inside because outside is bad or being there's just this awareness that um, if we're contained and we're separate from each other, whatever this is won't spread. Right. Right. Yeah. But again, it's create the fear will create the distance. So we need to always be asking ourselves. So if we're being asked to distance on some level, what am I what am I connected to? What can I be connected to? Um, I have hummingbird feeders outside that give me tremendous joy because I'm constantly witnessing these birds drinking from the sweetness of life, which is a metaphor for me to always be looking at where is the nectar in my life. So again, there's, we have to just love this contrast. So as shamans, the idea of this pandemic is there would be an understanding of it, it's servicing, it being of tremendous service, that it being a tremendous gift and the need to sit with it, not at it or against it, or protect from it, or distance ourselves from it. It would be to welcome it as a family member, to bring it into the fold, to say, this is part of us right now. So what can we gain from that? So meditate with it, sit with it, understand it. What is it asking? I mean, what a brilliant meditation to sit and say, imagine it sitting in a chair across from you um, as an energy and say, thank you so much for your presence. What are you teaching me? What can I learn from you? What, 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 what value of my life do you wish me to heighten and to appreciate. Now, yes, is that going to sound like a crazy idea to some people? Absolutely. But what's the, what is the other choice to run in fear, to constantly be afraid, to be in a place in a space of, of rejecting any contact with anybody because they may be a bad, you know, influence to you. There's just, it's all in how you accept it. And any other idea other than connection is going to affect your immune system. So in a time when it seems that we're supposed to be quote unquote protecting ourselves, the best thing you can do is focus on what you're connected to and what you love, what you value, what makes you feel alive. I love it. I love all of it. <laughs> yes. And um, I did a, a little research for you too, uh, just um, to have a little laugh. The population of California, 39.94 million. And you're right, out of uh, a thousand confirmed cases, only 19 of those, 19 of those cases people have passed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there are more people that probably have passed away in car accidents or passed away in, in, um, being shot or, you know, just, just the sheer numbers are fascinating to me. Yeah. But the minute we are, and, and so really it isn't so much about the numbers. It's just about the collective fear of death, yes. the collective fear of something is going to happen to me that I don't understand and I can't do anything about it. Now, globally, I will say another education we're getting since this whole idea of taking it back to the astrologers right now about them talking about what I'm, what I would almost rather frame as a, as a global software upgrade. So some of the values we have don't service anymore. We're going to move to this new software level. Some of our programs are not going to work anymore. So we're going to have to figure out how to make adjustments, which we don't seem to enjoy. We don't practice change and we don't like to having to adjust to something that we didn't choose. So already, already you're going to have resistance, but I would say during these times to look at what you resist and ask what you're defensive of, because what you're defensive of is being asked to change. So as we're going into this level of a new reset, a new upgrade, the opportunities are extraordinary. And the old systems have to fall away. Now, one of the main systems that we still fall prey to as human beings is this idea that we are get rescued by somebody, that we victimize ourselves in how we assume we have no power in a circumstance that happens, or we become massively dominant and 
we demand our agenda over others and we don't care about our actions having having repercussions on others. Now, if you globally look at leadership at this moment, there are plenty of leaders that aren't taking accountability for their actions. Now, the blessing of that blessing of that is, is that it creates two people. When you have somebody that says it's my way or the highway, you create people that step into the engagement with that, which we're all being kind of forced to do. We'll either fall into two different categories. We'll either want to do something about it, or we will think there's nothing we can do about it. Hmm. That's the benefit of those kind of people. So the drama triangle you know, one of my favorite things to talk about, victim, rescuer, perpetrator, all of those roles are up for us right now. So what's happening right now? The pandemic is coming also in as that role of here I am and there's nothing you can do about it. So that global archetype is now showing up as something that affects our physical health. It's already affecting our emotions. It's already affecting our minds. It's kind of affecting our spiritual balance, but now it's coming on the physical, which really freaks people out because that's the biggest fear we all have is there's because we believe that our body's health is out of our own control. Mm -hmm. So again, we have this external source that is demanding our attention and saying, here I am and there's nothing you can do about it. So that archetype is teaching all all of us on the planet right now. And until we figure out what it is we're supposed to gain from that, and we individually metamorphize the, our relationship with that energy, that it doesn't disempower us. It's just presenting itself because that's what that is. And that we can't fix it which means we don't want to deal with it. So we're going to fix it so we don't have to deal with it. But we can nurture it. We can figure out what our relationship with it is. And then the default of the victim is, is the divine child, which is it's an adventure. How can I find joy in what's presenting itself to me? Right. And then the evolved level of, of the that dominant person that comes in isn't overtaking and demanding and like narcissism. It is the divine masculine. So what is up is our divine masculine, which is the unconscious version of it is manifesting as this domineering narcissistic energy in the divine feminine characteristic. Our rescuer is being asked to transform because we can't rescue, we need to nurture. We need to help people find their own personal empowerment. And then the victim role is the unconscious version of the divine child. And that aspect of us, we are being asked to love the vulnerability and find it fun and find it playful and relax into the moment, realizing the only power within our lives is now. Hmm. My gosh, so beautiful. Whew. <laughs> so that's what's yeah. transforming april that's yeah. what's transforming is mm. that we're in and i you know i honestly didn't think of it until this moment that this that this pandemic is exactly that it's just another expression right. of of something that's making us feel disempowered and that's not true we're not disempowered by anything we can choose to be disempowered but we're not disempowered it's all in how we accept it right how we accept and like you said, how we respond. We yeah. have the control 100% all the time of how we respond to everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know we didn't talk that much about what you're going to be teaching at the Afterlife <laughs> Awareness Conference, but that's okay. It doesn't matter. This is, it doesn't matter. It it's doesn't okay. Matter. But, you know, I will say, um, you know, just something to add about the Afterlife Awareness Conference and people who are grieving, you know, being on the end as a mental health therapist, I am also able to be exposed to a wider range of things that are going on outside of the pandemic. Like, just because this pandemic is happening doesn't mean people's lives aren't continuing. And I've had yeah. 
some of my clients have had some family members that have passed away during this time, uh, not due to the coronavirus, but due to old age, um, you know, complications, whatever the case may be. And something that has just struck my heart, you know, in a sense for them is that because of the pandemic, the grieving process around people who are passing away normally out of things that just happen during life, um, the grieving process is also changing. Like some of my clients' family members were not able to go into the hospital because they're needing to contain the virus. So, um, some people weren't able to attend services because there could only be 10 people in immediate families. Um, some of the cemeteries around here are also closing, uh, for a period of time. So there isn't this social gathering. And then here you have that level of grief where a family member loved one is passed away, but kind of in this holding period before they can even, uh, you know, be transferred back to the earth. So, you know, as I'm hearing some of that stuff in related to grief outside of the pandemic of what other people are, you know, dealing with, I was just thinking about that whole aspect too, of how, uh, there's, there's more stuff that's going on besides this yet. It's still somewhat somehow is also intertwined in other things that are going on in other people's lives that are also very real. Absolutely. But the gift of it Mm -hmm. is the fact that we can always create community. Right. If there weren't people that were allowed at the funeral, there should have been phones that had people connecting to them. We can Zoom people into a meeting and have all the people present. We need community. So we learn by contrast. So with the honestly, the, and it's and it's just our evolution. We don't seem to get it if it's right in front of us. But if you tell us we can't have it, then we want it. Right. <laughs> So if that's how we evolve, we're not being allowed to have community right now. And what I love about what's happening is look at how much everybody wants to be together now. I know. I know. It's and so good. I was concerned. I was concerned because we get very comfortable now with only connecting to people via text and whatever. I love the fact that that's not enough right now. Me too. So yeah. yes. although we're going to have certain things that we are fearful of that are not enough, I understand that. But I love the fact that we need each other right now. So let's all need each other right now. Let's find ways and means. You can write letters. You can call. You can Zoom. You can Skype. You can Facebook Live. You can do whatever you want. But connect to people because it's the only way that we get through crisis is together. And every single time, whether it was 9-11 or the riots here in Los Angeles or a plethora of other wonderful opportunities that have happened over the last couple of years. What happens out of adversity is community. I just wish that we didn't have to create the adversity. So maybe what we can do is take on board the idea that community is a really good idea. So let's keep practicing it. And then maybe we won't have to have the adversities happen to the degree that they do. Yes, I agree. And I love that fact too. I think, you know, before this happened, maybe we had a a false sense of feeling really connected through social media and all of these other platforms. But I could say for me personally, having, um, doing some video telemental health sessions, um, thinking that, oh yeah, maybe I would do this as a business before this actually happened. I'm like, you know what? There is no substitute for sitting in the same room with the same person and feeling their energy body. Not that I can't yeah. feel the energy body through this, but there really is something about that human contact. And I think that although we have fallen to feel very comfortable with our social media outlets and texting and this and that, I, I've picked up the phone more than I have probably in the past three years to actually hear a person's <laughs> voice, you know, instead yep. of texting them. Um, yep. Same thing. So I'm yep. seeing exactly what you're seeing. And that feels really, really good. And we do need each other. So I would say if people have, um, you know, ways to connect, like Austin is talking about, please do. Um, now, do you want to share as uh, as we're wrapping up a little bit more about your website, where maybe people can connect with your homeschooling, your meditation <laughs> groups that you're doing. Um, but absolutely. Audience, so, yeah. Absolutely. So my, uh, my name is Austin Wells. That's A-U-S-T-Y-N-W-E-L-L-S. That's the name of my website. So austinwells.com. Um, I have a number of classes that I offer. I have been, um, 
uh, going through some changes myself, which have been extraordinary. And my software personally has been upgraded. So I'm excited about the new things that I'm going to be offering. Um, but I, I train mediums and intuitives. That's really fun. But this homeschool idea, I think, may actually become something larger. But at this point, I'm going to have uh, individual one-off classes to kind of intrigue people about developing your intuition that'll be available for everybody, um, meditations that can be joined, um, and that also can be downloaded. And, uh, my hope is that it's a, um, a place and a space for people to come together. Wonderful. Well, I am going to hold the intention that the virus has completed and that I'm going to see you face to face in June and give you a big old hug like I always do. Yeah. (laughs) And um, yeah. So thank you so much. And April, if I can say one thing before we finish. Sure. Um, We have social distancing right now and we're being asked to stand a certain amount of distance from each other. Our electromagnetic field, the soul space that you live and swim in, extends at least three or four feet in front of you, behind you, around you, above and below you. So when we have the social distancing, it doesn't mean we're not connected to people. So when you have a moment and you are around other people, drop your attention to your heart and ping that person from your heart. And I promise they'll feel you because in a moment when we're all in fear, our attention and energy will go to the top of our energy field and be more concentric to our brains. We want to drop into our hearts because what is needed is that feeling of connection. So smile, connect with people, eye contact. You're not going to, you're not going to catch anything from sending love to somebody. Exactly. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for that last tool. I think that's important, especially when people are out and about in nature and going on their walks. My community, we have a a pet friendly apartment complex here. So I've never seen, I mean, I'm always seeing people walk their dogs, but so many people are outside walking their dogs and uh, Mm -hmm. walking in groups with their, their distance. So I will also drop into my heart and make sure I ping them and uh, (laughs) send that love. (laughs) Okay. All right, Austin's always a pleasure to have you on our podcast. And thanks again, just for your beautiful wisdom and your love and your ability to always make me feel so calm. So thank you. You are so welcome, April. And thank you for all that you do. Thanks for listening to the Path 11 podcast today. I hope you all enjoyed this show. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon page, I'd like you to do so because we are going to start putting some content over there that is only for our Patreon subscribers. You can get content for as little as donating a dollar a month, and it could just be a one-time donation. We have other freebies over there that you can get depending upon how much you would like to donate. And again, it could be a one-time donation, or you can continue to keep your subscription on a monthly basis at that donation level, but I just put my MBT immersive experience, which was a four day intensive meditation training in Tennessee with physicist Tom Campbell. I was listening to binaural beats, going to altered states of consciousness, having out of body experiences and life changing experiences that I was able to bring back uh, for myself, for my clients, for my friends that was just out of this world. So if you would like to listen to that, I'd like you to head on over to path11podcast.com. You're going to see an orange button that says Patreon. Become a Patreon today and you can have access to that podcast. And I would like to remind you to head on over to path11productions.com and check out the membership that we have for the Afterlife Awareness Conference. We have over 25 hours of footage with amazing speakers like William Buhlman, Thomas John, Terry Daniel, Suzanne Geisman, Suzanne Northrup, Linda Fitch, uh, Austin Wells, just a few people uh, to name off that were amazing. These workshops are just so valuable. So I think that you would really enjoy it. It's also a great thing to think about to maybe give the gift to somebody who is struggling with grief. If you are looking for resources, this is a great conference to send people to to check out. And thanks again for listening today.